Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Turn with me today, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 in your Bible or in on your electronic devices and if you're at home, if you'll look along these scriptures with us, it would be helpful. We'll go to Ephesians 6 right after this. We're in a series on winning the warfare we're in, winning the warfare that we're in. Holy Spirit, would you honor your word and give life to that which you've already spoken? Would you grant your servant energy and utterance in Jesus' name? Amen and amen. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, we've been reading. This is our third in the series. They're on the website if you care to review. The last letter that Paul wrote around 67 or 68 A.D. before he passed, he was passing the torch to many uh, this, in this case, Timothy, the pastor of the church of Ephesus. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things, listen to this, verse 2, here's what we are responsible to do with this word. The things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Do you know that when you commit the word that you have heard to other people, you are multiplying that word? That man right there, our elder Jim Black, he, teach, he, he takes the outline of these messages and teaches them to countless people, a lot more than I could ever see. And they in turn can take it and minister and, and invest it in other people. That's the way the word is supposed to be multiplied. Verse 3, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that to believe and to follow Jesus involves some hardship? I know that's not popular, but it's true. Verse 4, no one engaged in warfare. Notice the word engaged there. See, some people are in warfare as believers. We're all in warfare against the world and the little God, the devil of this world. We're in, we are in warfare, but sometimes we don't engage. To be engaged means that you're actively, actively involved. You understand that there's a war going on, and you engage in that. No one who gets engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Understand that we're either engaged or we're entangled. If we're not engaged, that is, focused and actively involved in the spiritual warfare we're in, then we will be entangled in the affairs of this life. That we, no one is engaged in warfare, entangles himself in the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Well, pastor, I know that, that God calls me his son and daughter through faith in Christ. I know that he enlisted me as a disciple. 
But did you know that he also enlisted you as a soldier? You are in warfare whether you think you are or not. So you need to understand that he is not only your Lord and master. He is not only the lover of your soul. He is not only your father. He's your commander in chief. And as our commander in chief, we need to recognize spiritual authority is, flows right from him, our commander in chief. So understand that we are in warfare and understand that we're to be actively engaged in that warfare. Now we've been talking about the evil one's agenda. And we have said there's primarily three ways that the evil one attacks us. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians 6, if you will. Primarily three ways that the evil one attacks us. Number one, through lies. He plants a seed of something in the mind that is not true. And if that lie begins to develop roots, if it stays in our minds long enough, we will eventually begin to believe that which is planted because it will begin to bear fruit. There are, his first agenda, Jesus said this about him in John 8, 44, the devil is a liar and has been from the beginning. He is the father of lies. So understand that the first thing he does in order to steal, kill, and destroy is to plant a seed in, a seed in there that is not true. Well, I don't believe so-and-so likes me. Well, I don't believe that God really wants the best for me. I really don't believe this is ever going to get any better. I don't know whether I believe a planted seed of lie. And the devil will try to convince you that that lie is the truth, and the longer it stays there, the more apt you are to act on that lie. Okay, the second thing the enemy does besides lie is he tries to get us distracted. The Word says that part of the reason why the Word is planted but doesn't bear fruit is because we get all entangled in the cares of this life the affairs of this life, instead of focusing on the only one who can resolve them, we focus on the issues themselves. And we get entangled, and that gives the enemy an opportunity to steal the Word. The Bible calls it in Mark 4, being Word that is being sown among thorns. The other way that the enemy gets us is through an all-out assault. Do you know, let's look something here in Ephesians 6. In verse 10, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, everybody say stand, against the wiles. That word in the Greek is methodios, the carefully devised methods of the devil. I want to say something I said last week. The devil is doing an all-out investigation on you. To decide, to discern, because he's not omniscient, he's not Almighty God. He is carrying out an all-out investigation of you to see where you're vulnerable. He is listening to what you say. He is watching what choices you make. He, he, he is carrying out an investigation. Why? 1 Peter 5. Be sober, be alert. Because your adversary, the devil, is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. 
The one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy is carrying out an investigation on you every day. Every day to see where you're vulnerable, to see what you really believe, to hear what you really say. And you know what? What the enemy is trying to do is when he carries out this investigation is when he sees a place where we're vulnerable, all of a sudden, one day, there she is. There he is. There it is. Right there in your path. Is that some kind of some kind of cosmic chance? No. He roams around like a roaring lion seeking somebody who's vulnerable. It's an all-out assault. So there are lies, there is entanglement, distraction, and sometimes there's an all-out assault. You say, well, my goodness, Pastor, that shakes me up. I don't feel very good after that. Listen, let me tell you something. If you'll put on the whole armor of God, the devil is no match for the armor of God. Put on that whole armor, verse, verse 11, that you may be able to what? Run or stand? I said run or stand. That you may be able to stand against the methods of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Everybody say it with me. People are not my problem. Wow. Isn't that breaking news? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, watch this, principalities, powers, Against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly atmosphere, not the place where God resides, but in the heavenly atmosphere. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Now, wait, hold on just a minute. I want to show you something. Turn to the left to Ephesians 1. Just go back a few chapters. Ephesians 1. And when we read what we just read, oh my goodness, I'm up against demonic principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, hosts of wickedness. My goodness, it sounds overwhelming, doesn't it? Look at chapter 1. I'll show you something. Paul writes there, he says, I pray for you all the time. Verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. By the way, I pray this over you every day. That the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, that you may know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Watch this. And that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. The power that is in us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Watch this. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, dominion and every name that is named and put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. Hallelujah. So you need to understand that when God raised Jesus from the dead, you were in Christ. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he raised you in Christ far above 
all these demonic strongholds, far above all of their assignments. You have authority in the name of Jesus. What a wonderful, powerful promise. Give us revelation, God. Give us revelation. All right, back to 6 now. Ephesians 6. We understand here, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand firm. Everybody say, stand firm. In the evil day, and having done all to, everybody say stand. Stand, not run, not squirm, stand. Verse 14, stand therefore. Here's what we got to last week. Having girded your waist with truth. Remember what we said last time? The number one weapon you've got to put on. First of all, ask the Lord. This is what I, I did it again this morning. Holy Spirit, show me where I'm vulnerable, and I don't even know it to, in warfare. Show me where I'm vulnerable. Get in a place of worship. Stand on this word. Stay connected. Listen, don't get out there and get, are you listening to me, those of you all over who've listened to us? Listen. Don't get separated from an inner core of like-minded believers. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. However, you have to do that in these days. <clears throat> so connect with your spiritual core. Get in the Word and worship. But ask yourself, am I, am I armed? Am I armed? So the first is that waist belt that, that in Roman soldiers' day, Paul was thinking about that broad leather waist belt that was around the midsection. Remember this, your strength is only as good as your core. Your strength is only as good as your core, your abdominal muscles that give you the leverage to do certain things, to lift certain things, to move certain ways. And if your core is not strengthened, you will be tipped over mighty, mighty easily by the enemy, by circumstances, by all kind of things. So the first thing we do is put on the waist belt of, what's the waist belt made out of? Truth. What did Jesus say is the truth? John 17, 17, Father, Sanctify them, set them apart in your word. Your word is truth. It's the word of God. Not what you want it to be. Not what you think it ought to be. It's the word of God. The waist belt of truth. Now here's where we get to today. And put on the breastplate of righteousness. Thank you so much for doing that, Deborah. The, the, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was something that went from the shoulders all the way down to that belt, and it covered the essential organs of the soldier, heart, lungs, so that if something pierced in their warfare, their hand-to-hand -hand warfare, they didn't have aircraft, when there was a piercing that breastplate was what 
enable them not to be injured in their essential organs. Do you know that the enemy truly desires to put a mortal wound on you in your essential organs, your essential spiritual organs? And do you know the number one sword that the enemy uses in a lot of people is called S-H-A-M-E, shame. Do you know that in most of us, there is somewhere, sometimes it's right up front, we know it, we've lived with it, because we have instant replays of things we've done or said or thought that we're not proud of, and sometimes that thing of shame of, yeah, you remember what you did, you remember what a mess you made, sometimes those shameful thoughts come on us and our emotions will respond to our thoughts and pretty soon we're walking around in a fog, not of listening to the Holy Spirit and the love of God, but to shame based on regret and condemnation over things that we've done or said or thought in the past. And those things have got a hook on us. When we're going good, that hook of shame will come back and snatch and say, where do you think you're going? Don't you remember what you did? Don't you remember what you didn't do that you should have done? But let me tell you something. It's not only what we have done that we regret that the devil uses to, call, to condemn us, the condemner the accuser of the brethren. But you know what? It's also those things, those lies that the enemy has planted on the inside of us. And here's what it says. If you had just done this, then that person you love wouldn't have done that. No, everybody listen to me real good now. We're talking plain here. There are people in the sound of my voice, there are people all over this audience today who the devil has got you hooked in shame because you still believe that if you had just done this or hadn't done that, then your grown son or daughter wouldn't have done or said what they did. Listen to me, I'm your pastor. That is a lie from hell. Your son, your grown sons and daughters are responsible for their own choices. They didn't make those choices because you somehow failed them. Pastor, how do I get past that? Let the light of the truth come into your inner man and recognize that that's a lie from God and next put on the breastplate of righteousness how do I do that boy I'm glad you asked this is a passage that changed mine and Dina's lives several years ago all right watch this go to Romans 5 go to Romans 5 I want to show you one of the greatest pearls in all the scriptures that will break the power of shame off of you if you will get revelation of it and receive it. Hallelujah. 
Romans 5 is a, is a powerful discussion of how what Adam brought through sin and death and how all of us received the, the damage that was, that was done in Adam and Eve, but it also talks about how Jesus Christ reversed that curse and how he brought righteousness to us. I want you to look at verse 17. If by one man's offense, that is, if by Adam's offense, death reigned. Remember, sin brought death, separation from God. If by the one man's offense, death reigned, through the one much more, those who receive. Everybody say the word receive. Those who receive the abundance of grace. What is abundance? A little bit or more than enough? All right, let's translate it. Those who receive more than enough grace. What's grace? God's favor and God's ability. All right, so now let's break it down. Those who receive more than enough favor and ability from God and the gift of what? Righteousness means right standing. You know, some of you, some of you think, I can't go before God. Why? Jesus is your right standing. Look, those who receive, that word in the Greek is lombano. It doesn't mean to have. Somebody can give you a gift and you can have it and you can initially say thank you and it can sit in your closet. You have it, but you hadn't received it. The word in the New Testament for received is to lay hold of, to put it on. You got to get that cloak of righteousness out of the closet. You've got it and put it on. How do I do that? By faith. All right. Hold your place here. Go to, go to the right to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All of us know the wonderful passage in verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Old things passed away. All things became new. But, how many, you know, most of us don't get to verse 21. It talks about what God was doing in Christ. Verse 21, for he, God, made him, Christ, who knew no sin. He had no sin in him. God made his son to be sin for us. Well, that's where most people stop. Don't stop there. The sentence is not over. Why did God do that? That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Are you in Christ? So how does God see you? I said, are you in Christ? Well, how does God see you? 
you see this little disc right here? The little white disc? That's you. That's Christ. God cannot see you without seeing Christ. Hallelujah. And he who is perfectly righteous has taken all your sins on himself at the cross and put all his righteousness into you through the resurrection and ascension in Jesus Christ. Okay, now back to verse 17 of Romans 5. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign. What does it mean to reign? To have authority, to win, to exercise kingly power. Will reign in life through the one Christ Jesus. You say, Pastor, boy, that would be nice. Revelation 1, 5 and 6 says, To him who washed us in his own blood and has made us a generation of kings and priests to our God. You know God sees you as a king. That means you have the right in Christ to rule and reign over the things of this world, over the enemy, and over the, the, the godless age. Whatever it is that you have to go through, you have the God-given right to reign as a king. Okay, how do I get it? I receive more than enough favor and ability. When you get stuck in a problem, when you have, when you have a diagnosis come your way, you need to, to stand on this verse and say, I'm, I have more than enough grace for anything that I'm going through. More than enough. Favor and ability. And I receive the gift of righteousness. Do you still see yourself condemned and unworthy? Do you still see yourself as just a dirty, rotten sinner? Or do you see yourself in Christ Jesus? Ephesians 1 says, In God's eyes you are holy and righteous and blameless and beloved, that you're accepted in Christ. The righteousness of God is in you and on you. Would to God that we'd get a, a, a clearer picture of our own identity. That identity doesn't give you the right to do anything you feel like doing. It gives you the power to be who you created to be. The gift of righteousness. Have you received it? I don't know, Pastor, if I, could just do some, if I could just do some different stuff, then I could have the gift of righteousness. Was that right? What do you call righteous acts? Well, you're doing a righteous act today. You're under the Word of God. You're assembling and worshiping with other believers and listening to that Word. Would that be a righteous act? Yeah, if you're doing it with the right motive, right. Amen. What about if you're reading your Bible or you're praying uh, or you're worshiping? Would that be a righteous act? What if you were saying a word of kindness to somebody? Could that be a righteous act? What about when you're washing clothes or cleaning the toilet? 
Now let me tell you what the Scripture says. Jesus said this. Remember, He is your righteousness. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Is that true or not? Yes or no? Did Jesus get into a carpenter's shop and saw things and nailed things for 30 years under his father's business? Yes or no? So was it a righteous act to build things in the carpenter's shop? Yes or no? Was it a righteous act for Jesus to spit on the ground, make a mud pie, and put it on a man's face? So what I'm trying to tell you is, whether he was in the temple or spitting on the ground, it was all what he saw the Father telling him to do. It was righteousness. So when you get up and go to work in the morning, that's an act of righteousness. When you get up and pray, that is an act of righteousness. When you wash clothes, that is an act of righteousness. When you eat a meal, that is an act of righteousness. Understand that the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus reveals itself through those things that are done in obedience. It's not some religious deal that is righteous and everything else is unrighteousness. That is a lie of the devil. So the next time you're cleaning floors... The next time you do what I do all the time, seems like I do it every day, gathering up garbage and getting it out and do, doing all this stuff and trying to spray uh, toilets and stuff like that. Listen, understand that is an act of righteousness. Don't fight it. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy serving the mighty God who is your king. Acts of righteousness are not born in what you're doing, they're in why you're doing it. Who are you trying to please? So God says, receive the gift of righteousness. Do you know that, Joe? When you approach the Lord... It's not the Lord that tries to bring into account all this stuff. When you approach the Lord, he wants you to get into praise and thank him that he sees you as his dear son in Jesus. When you go before the Lord, it is not the Lord who's trying to bring up a list of all the stuff you ought to be ashamed about. That is not the Lord. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Conviction is not condemnation. Conviction's a good thing. It reveals where we are and what we ought to repent of. Condemnation is what beats you up and keeps you down and keeps you walking in darkness. Remember, it's receiving the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that will cause you to reign in life through Christ Jesus. Are you staying up all night worrying about the outcome or are you committing it to the Lord and recognizing that he is at work to will and to do of his good pleasure and you will reign in life, whatever it is you're facing? The breastplate of righteousness. Your inner spiritual core 
has to have the power of shame broken. And the only way you do that is to receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. None of us do. It is saying, God, I see what you did in your son on my behalf. Thank you. I receive it. I receive it, Lord. I receive it. I receive it. And all that shame that comes back like a hook and tries to bring you back into a place of condemnation and make you feel like a failure, make you always feel like that somehow you're responsible for other people's choices that are inferior, that cord needs to be broken today, right now, by the power of God. I want you to bow your heads with me. I don't know that I've ever met any believer in all these years of my ministry that hasn't had some struggle with shame somewhere. It is a tool the enemy has used so often in his most precious sons and daughters. Why don't you say today, God, this ends today. This ends today. I pray believing that the hook of shame is broken off my life. Right now, I thank you that Jesus represented me in his life, in his perfect obedience, in his death to pay for my sin, in his resurrection and ascension, where you took all my sin and put it on him, and you took his righteousness and put it in me. I receive it today, Lord. I receive it today, Lord. Spirit of God is breaking the chains of shame off so many. Right now, He's doing it. Hallelujah. The cords and the chains of shame are being broken right now. Step into it. Just say, Thank you, Lord. I receive it. I gave you the word of God that was not going to change. Faith comes by hearing that word. It is sure and steadfast in the eyes of Almighty God. Receive the gift of righteousness. Put on that breastplate. Whenever the enemy tries to bring up failures you've had in your life, tell him that according to the word of God that has been taken in the very body of Jesus. Its power is broken and God doesn't see you anymore in that way. Thank you, Lord. We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb. The word of our testimony. See, by faith you receive it in your heart right now and you seal it through the words of your mouth. So I want you to pray this with me. Mighty God, in Jesus' name, I declare before heaven and earth that I receive the gift of righteousness. In Christ Jesus, I receive more than enough grace 
I will reign in life through the Lord Jesus Christ, my victory. Holy Spirit, mighty Jesus, release your sons and daughters. declare today in the name of Jesus on the basis of his holy word you are free you are free you are free in Jesus name just receive it raise your hand stand up whatever the Lord leads just receive it receive it. It's yours. Just receive it. says the Lord from this moment forth for all of you who have received the gift of righteousness write it down this day this day you will begin to see yourself the way the Lord sees you Hallelujah. You know, I want you to get somewhere today, those of you who've received the gift of righteousness. The chains of all that religion and shame are broken off of you. You just get in a place and give God thanks and glory. Maybe in your vehicle, walk around the yard, whatever you need to do. You may want to do a holy dance. Oh, hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, we praise you for thy gift of righteousness and the abundance of your grace. We put on that breastplate of righteousness today and give you all the praise and glory for Jesus' name. Well, I can't wait to see you next week. Go with God. He's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.